Hello, Text Talkers. Edwin here. I have a brief announcement before we get into the actual episode today. Andrew and I just want you to know that in order to make sure all episodes post on time and without missing any, we have to record these weeks in advance. That's why we don't talk about any current events, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Since we never know what the state of things will be on the day the episodes actually air, we just focus on the text we're talking about. However, we want you to know that we are obviously aware of the state our communities, country, and world is in. We are not ignoring or dismissing it. We are concerned. We are praying for you, for all our brothers and sisters, and for our fellow man in this difficult time. That being said, what better thing can we do while we and our families are practicing some social isolation than to talk about God's Word? So, keep us in your prayers, and we'll keep you in ours. And let's get today's episode started. Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. 15 minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will empty. We're so glad you're with us. Edwin, what are we looking at? What text is for us today? Uh, We're looking at Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. I will be reading again from the English Standard Version. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians, and of the Alexandrians, and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel." Okay, I'm going to have a hard time today because what I really want to do is get into Acts chapter 7 as Stephen, his face like an angel, preaches a sermon to this council. I'm going to try to stay away from that this it, week. It is a cliffhanger, though. It just <laughs> That one propels you on to keep reading. I know. What happened next? Yeah, and it is what a great sermon. I, I'm looking forward to next week as we talk about some just really powerful stuff in Stephen's sermon. But what I want us to see here as we begin today... Yesterday, we read the first half of the chapter, and we saw problems within the congregation. Today, we're reading the last half of chapter 6, and we see persecutions without the congregation. Persecution is not new. Uh, the apostles have already been going through some persecutions, as as you recall. Just bring us up to speed on the persecutions they've been through. So when we were doing our talk from Acts, the fourth chapter, we saw where Peter and John were brought in before the Sanhedrin council. And what had they done wrong? Nothing. They had healed a, a lame man and allowed him to walk in the name of Jesus Christ. But it had stirred up such a sentiment among the people, and the gospel had spread amazing things done that it really uh, confused, confounded, and irritated the powers uh, around the temple complex. So drag them in and intimidate them, tell them not to preach anymore, which gives way to the fifth chapter of the book of Acts. And what happens now? Well, they kept on preaching the gospel. So now all the apostles are brought in, threatened. This time they are beaten and turned loose, uh, and yet they continue with boldness preaching. So we know that the leaders of the church are certainly on the list 
Yeah, uh, leaders. And that's the thing I'm really wanting to see as a shift here. It was the leaders. It was the priests, especially among the Sadducees. Priests are related to the Sadducees. I don't want to say that every priest was a Sadducee, but we do see in Scripture that there seems to be a connection there. Right. The council, and, and what's happened is the council has said, well, we can't really do any really detrimental stuff because the people really like these guys. Right. Now we see a shift, though, with Stephen. This is, this is the people bringing Stephen to the council. I know you're wanting to talk about Stephen. Just tell me a little bit about what you're seeing here in this persecution, Andrew. Well, I, it occurs to me that earlier in the chapter we were talking about the Hellenists, um, which is this group of people, maybe out-of-towners, um, who are converting, converting in large numbers of all different ages, right? Uh, the widows are of that group. And now where is this persecution coming out against Stephen? It's a synagogue that is composed, again, largely of outer towners, at least their heritage is, because it said in verse 9, they're Cyrenians, they're Alexandrians, Cilicia, Asia. Wow, there is a dynamic going on in this community, in this subculture of Jerusalem, that the gospel is taking a lot of people into the Christ kingdom, and now there's pushback from that. Uh, if one of the leading preachers in this field is Stephen, <laughs> then he is the one who is becoming a target uh, for those in the synagogue that are not appreciating this gospel work. So while we have the problems in the church bringing Hellenists and native Hebrews together into one and increasing their unity, now we're seeing this thing on the outside where it's seemingly Hellenist Jews from the dispersion that have come into Jerusalem and taken residence and started these synagogues. They're the ones that are coming against Stephen. So, so here we've got folks of similar ethnic background, but they're recognizing the difference in spirituality and religion. They're figuring out, wait a minute, wait a minute. What you're saying, Stephen, is not the same as what we're saying. You're not, you're not just a sect of Jews. You're something different. And just before we move on, can I just, it, even as we're talking about this and other connections made in my mind, that as we see in this first half of Acts, these two groups of people brought together in the gospel, maybe what we're also seeing here is the devil says, well, I can play that game too, because in the latter half of Acts 6 and then into the seventh chapter, we've got this persecution stirred up from these Hellenist-type believers. And who do they take them to? The Sanhedrin Council, the Temple Rulers, the Hebrew of Hebrews. So, so among the Jews who are opposed to the church, they're starting to have a unity as well that they may not quite have had before. Yeah. It's a unity in opposition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, know, you know, the 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 enemy of my enemy becomes my friend. Yeah. Kind of reminiscent of Pilate and Herod. Or Jesus has stumbling block, right? And well, talking about that, this is a repetition of what happened to Jesus because what are they going to do? We can't withstand him. He's got this wisdom. He's got this spirit. He's got this presentation that we cannot we cannot argue with. Yeah. So, so we're not going to argue with him. What we're going to do is we're going to take him and arrest him and drum up and trump up charges against him that we that we can get him executed right. for. It's, it's a repeat of that. That what they did to Jesus, they're now doing to Stephen. And I think we're supposed to see that. I think we're supposed to see that when I follow in the footsteps of Jesus, I follow in the, the footsteps, footsteps of Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. When when I do what Jesus did, I mm -hmm. get what Jesus got. Mm -hmm. And and that's as, as shocking as it is. I it, I mean it blows my mind sometimes when I think about this. Here's here's the greatest man that ever lived. He did some of the greatest greatest stuff. He brought salvation. I mean there was compassion, there was unity, there was love, there was bringing together and it just blows my mind that this is the guy who ends up on a cross. 
but it is. And when we are following in his footsteps, bringing salvation and life, I want to think that everybody is going to want that. Yeah. But some people don't. Or at least not this way. They want that, but it's not this way. This can't be the way because I, I don't like some of this. And I'll give you. I'll give you another another one of those connections as you were talking about in this mirroring of Jesus and Stephen, uh, is that when you look at these charges, it says in verse thirteen that they had set up false witnesses who said this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words. Well, you know what is Jesus accused of by the council? Blasphemy. It's blasphemy yeah. because he well he makes himself to be God and makes himself to be the Son of God, but it's not blasphemy if it's true. And didn't he was okay? Now I'm trying to work on my memory. Wasn't well, one of the specific accusations was he said he would destroy this temple and build it in three days? Three and days. now Stephen, what are they saying? He's speaking against this place, and he says Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, right? And again, it's not blasphemy. If it's true, that is a true prophecy Yes, that, that, that a judgment is coming on Jerusalem. I know. I'm, I'm trying not to get into Acts chapter 7 yeah, and the sermon. Yeah. I know at this point it's easy for me to say that what Stephen's going to do is say, no, guys, you're getting me all wrong. But that's really not what Stephen says. Stephen, no. Stephen is going to point out, you guys are getting a bit of this, but it's not blasphemy because it's true. Yeah, It would have been wrong for Jesus to claim to be God. That would have been blasphemy, except it was true. That's right. It would be wrong for Stephen to say this temple is not the house of God anymore and is going to be taken out, except it's true. It's true. That's exactly what's going to happen. And, of course, ultimately in 70 AD, the temple is shaken out. I want to move in a different direction here real sure. quick before yeah, we wrap up pivot. today because one of the things that I think is really interesting here. So we so we see this shift in persecution moving from the leaders to the people, and mm-hmm. we're, we're going to have some more to say about that at the end of the week. But I also see another shift. Up until this point, the only people who have been performing miraculous signs and wonders are the apostles. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden we have another person who is performing miraculous signs and wonders. And there in verse 8, verse Stephen, eight. full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. It had only been the apostles up to this point. I just want to make this point that we see that the apostles lay their hands on these seven men, and it's not until that happens that we then turn around and see anyone other than the apostles bearing these gifts and performing these signs and wonders and miracles. And I I think that's just a very interesting, maybe even seismic shift, something for us to note. Well, sure. And you have this expression about laying on of hands, which is consistent with the idea of appointment or ordination. But uh, it does look like something else is going on here as well, uh, an endowment of power. Especially when we're going to notice, and I don't want to get ahead of myself again, but in a couple weeks we're going to get to Acts chapter 8, and the next person we're going to see doing this is Philip, who is another one of these men upon Mm -hmm. whom the apostles had laid their hands. Mm -hmm. And I'll let the cat out of the bag. I know we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks. But when Philip starts teaching and the apostles hear about it, the apostles send someone from among the apostles to go to Samaria in order to lay hands on people. And that's how gifts were passed on. So I I don't think this is me jumping to a conclusion. I don't think I'm, I'm pushing into this, I think as we look through Acts, we notice something very important, and that is that the miraculous gifts were passed on by the laying on of the apostles' hands. I think you're absolutely right about that. I'll tell you what, Stephen is an incredible example for us to see, one who speaks up with courage, one who is willing to go back and speak to uh, the synagogues and the people, maybe where he came from. 
One final thing I want you to notice here is the very last verse of this chapter talks about him having the face like an angel. Mm -hmm. In his sermon, he's going to highlight that they had received the law as if from angels. And that was... That was one of the perspectives that the Jews had, that the messengers of the law that brought it to the people was through angels. And so as as we're having here at the end of this chapter in preparation for the sermon that Stephen is going to preach, we have Luke pointing out to us that Stephen is not just speaking from his own. He's not just, hey, this is something I thought about last night. This is a fulfillment of the promise that God gave to the apostles that in these moments, you don't have to take thought. It's going to be given to you. Luke is pointing out that Stephen is is experiencing the fulfillment of that exact same promise. Again, he's had the apostles lay their hands on him. He is performing these signs and wonders, Mm -hmm. and he has the same fulfillment. These are words that are coming to them as if from angels. They're going to end up treating Stephen's word the exact same way they did the law. And that's going to be the big problem that Stephen is highlighting to them. Well, and they're going to treat Stephen the way they treated the Lord, which is they're going to seek his death. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to say, as we're wrapping up here, that's something that we've got to be prepared for. We haven't dealt with that kind of persecution. I haven't dealt with that kind of persecution. I mean, the closest, I did get the cops called on me once. There was a brother and sister that I was following up following up with. They were falling away, and they just would not return calls. We went and knocked on their door. They didn't answer, so we left. In fact, the elder that was with me, we decided this is it. Uh, you know, we were just going to have to pursue some discipline with them, with the congregation. Before I got home, I was pulled over by the police. Mm. and told, hey, we got your license plate. You can't go talk to these people anymore. So that's the closest I've ever come to persecution. When I told them, I said, well, guys, this was our last effort anyway. They said, all right, well, we'll pass that on to them. We're not going to arrest you, but just don't go see them again. So that's the closest I've ever come. But if persecution does come, we need to realize if you follow in the footsteps of Jesus, you follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And it doesn't end with the persecution. It ends with the resurrection and the victory. Absolutely. It's wonderful to learn. And we're interested in what you might be learning as you're reading along with us in the book of Acts or maybe in your own scripture study. We'd like to hear from you. You can email us at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. That's one word, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Why don't we uh, end with a prayer, Edwin? God in heaven, thank you so much for your word that we can talk about. Thank you so much for your word who was incarnate, who came into the world and died for our sins. Thank you so much for Stephen as this example of conviction and faith that we will follow in his footsteps, that we will follow in the footsteps of Jesus, that no matter how folks react, that we will continue to proclaim your gospel, recognizing what a gift it is to share the soul-saving, cosmos-impacting gospel with the world. Help us today to have this kind of conviction. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for loving us first. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.
just been rough. Uh, <laughs> it's just been rough on them. Um, they got beaten and they felt good about that. Um, 